we bring in Sean Merriman, lights out himself. He's been on the field a lot of times. Sean, I want to start with a game that obviously is not that big in the grand scheme of things right now, but has everybody talking, and that's the way that the Jets game ended against the Raiders. You've been on the field for a lot of snaps of defensive football in your career. Have you ever seen someone send pressure in that situation like uh, happened for uh, the, the the Raiders to have a chance to make that play to Henry Ruggs? No, never. Um, and, you know, I'll say this. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people over the course of time say the teams tank. And I say, look, NFL, maybe some other sports, maybe, but definitely not the NFL. There's no such thing as an NFL team tanking for a number one overall draft pick. Today, I questioned that for the first time. Really? Uh, we have we have never seen, I've never seen that ever, where you're up and, you know, it's the end of the game and you call a zero blitz with no safety over top. I've never seen anything like that ever uh, in the history of the game and watching, especially when you're trying to go out there and win. And, you know, you, you heard a few of the players uh, after the game in the press conference say, we could have got a better call. We need some help there. Um, it is really bad over there right now. And, and I, for the first time ever of watching football, I think I've seen the team tanking on purpose uh, in order to get that first round, that first overall draft pick. You ever, you're a smart guy. You, you've called a lot of plays. You've seen a lot of defensive calls. You ever go rogue as a uh, as a defensive player and do something different than the call in in a situation like that? Because or is it so your obligation to run that defense even if you have questions about it? Oh yeah, you run whatever play call. Now don't get me wrong, I have made my own plays. <laughs> yeah, but my coach would tell me uh, Wade Phillips or John Pagano, whoever was the D coordinator, uh, you know, defensive co- coordinator at the time or linebacker coach. They would tell me if you if you go outside the playbook, you better make the play. Right. That was if you freelance, for lack of a better term, like you better be a, like your responsibility. You still got to take it. Oh yeah, absolutely. They call it a play. You run it, no matter what that situation is. Now, if you go up under a play or come uh, on a stunt and a blitz because you see a, a, a tackle kicking out too far, yeah, you can go and get creative, but ninety eight percent of the time, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, you run whatever play is called and. For Greg Williams to put that team, uh, and look, I can't necessarily blame it on Greg Williams. Um, I don't think he's a bad defensive coordinator. I think he's in a bad organization. I think he's on a, a, a bad defense. Um, and who knows if that play call came from him. I mean, if there might be bigger powers that, uh, that said, hey, this is the play call we're going to make. We're going to lose this game, right? And maybe it didn't come down directly like that, but I can't see somebody – experienced as Greg Williams play call make a play call like that ever it just doesn't happen it never happens you know you know what's interesting is you talked about this to start and and you've heard a lot of football players say it over the years and I think a lot of fans don't really understand it when it's said and that is this which is if you can't really tank and play football right like you can have guys that aren't as good as the other team but it's so physical and you have to commit so much of your mind and body to play that it's really impossible, unlike, you know, let's say in the in basketball or, or somewhere else, it's really impossible to do that, right? 
It's next to impossible because it's 11 men on the field. So in order to tank, and this is why I always say that when you're talking about the NFL and football, why it's impossible for people to tank. You still have 10 other guys. So say, for example, they were in a right play call. They were more in a, uh, a prevent-style defense or some kind of cover four or three where you keep everything in front of you. Now, if a cornerback bobbles the ball and he missed the play and the wide receiver still catches it, then you got a safety right there that uh, they can make a tackle and end the play. And game over, you still win. But to have no one back there over top, that was a play call. That was nothing to do with the players. Yeah, you want to go have a guy matched up man on man and hope that he goes out and prevent, uh, prevent something from uh, wide receiver from catching it. But to have no help over top, that is coming from the coach. That is coming from the organization. And sometimes the cornerback is going to get beat. But you still should, in that particular situation, you still should have somebody over top. We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast on the iHeart Podcast Network. Let's go into what's going on in the NFC West. It's like every single week something different happens in terms of the expected uh, leader of the division. And the Giants got an absolutely massive win that I don't think anybody anticipated against the Seahawks. What's going on with the Seahawks in that larger context? And who do you like to come out of the NFC West with four games to go? Well, for one, Russell Wilson has done a couple things uncharacteristic of him not taking care of the ball. And I'm not talking about the uh, bobble pass from Carson that ended into an interception. But, you know, third and long situations when you can throw the ball out of bounds and live to fight another day, you take the sack. And, you know, he's not taking care of the football right now. But also, I don't think they were prepared to see Colt McCord. You know, there's, you know you're talking about two different style of players. And for whatever reason, uh, they played up to the Seahawks level. Or if you want to look at it the other way, the Seahawks played down to the Giants level. And, yeah. and that's what happens. And we just – I don't understand that how they can come from week to week and, and play great against better teams. And then you come and face a team like the Giants who are not really a great football team at all. And then you you stink it up. So, you know, I I think that they need to have the same level of uh, confidence, the same mindset going from week to week, no matter who they're playing, because it seems like when they play the teams that aren't as good as they are, they play down to their level. We're talking to Sean Merriman. As you work through, so the the race in the NFC West is going to be super interesting, and the, the Rams right now are in the lead there. And also, the race in the AFC South seems like it's going to be interesting, and For the first time since 1994, I believe it is, the Browns are 9-3. and I was at this game. I went and watched it in in person, unfortunately, as a Titans fan. It was 38-7 to at the half. The Titans got absolutely obliterated. Uh, How good are the Browns? Was this one of those games where you just kind of toss it out and say, this isn't really representative of what would typically happen because these teams could end up playing in the postseason if they both get there? Uh, or is it something more significant at play based on what happened in that Browns-Titans game? Well, you know, there's, you had, I believe that both of their records were 8-3. Uh, That's right. Coming into this game. But you see one 8-3 team going upwards, and you kind of see the other 8-3 team going downwards. And right now is when you want to play your, your best football. November, December, going into the playoffs when you want to pick up, you're playing your best football. And it seems that the last three or four games, the Titans are going the other way. And the Browns are, you know, hitting that hot streak going into the playoffs. And that's the way that those are the, the, the best teams when they, when they come down to it. 
Uh, you know, Titans started the season off great. I mean, these guys look unstoppable running the ball and uh, A.J. Brown, these guys, and Davis catching the ball. I mean, you know, get, they're getting after people on the defense side of the ball. And the last three or four weeks, you just haven't seen that. So, you know, you get closer and closer to the playoffs, and the teams are playing well are really going to start to show around this time. November, December will tell you a lot about what a team's going to do in the playoffs. I th- what did you think? I, I know it's been several days since this game happened, and we had the you know game take place on a I think it was a what a Wednesday, right? The crazy Wednesday game. But when you look at the Steelers, are the Steelers a team that you would be afraid of, or because they've played so many close games? I think they've won six by seven or less. Or are you going to look at it and say we can beat this team? Like the Steelers, I know they're eleven and zero. They may well finish fifteen and one, fourteen and two, sixteen and zero. But it doesn't feel like they have the same aura of invincibility that typically teams with that kind of record have. Well, you know, it's uh, it's funny because I said uh, last what a few weeks ago that this is the most balanced team in football. Like they don't do one particular thing extremely well. They do a lot of things across the board well. Right, it's, you know, not you know, they're not a, a running attack team. They don't have a great, you know, they do everything across the board well. And those are the teams that are scary because when you go in and start game planning, you start to stack up against whatever they do well. You want to stop that, right? So when you can't do that, and they have so many different ways to hurt you. And T.J. Watt, these guys getting after you was a, I know what a, a Bud Dupree went down with that ACL. That's going to hurt him a little bit. But they're still so well, they're well coached and they're well balanced. So when you're trying to figure a team out like that, it's like okay, we got to go in and really play these guys well because there's not one thing they do great. Plus, you know they know how to win football games at the end. The the good teams, it don't matter if you win by one point, six point, seven points, it doesn't matter. A win is a win, and they found a way to close games out. So that's championship football. That's that's what you're going to need when a game gets tight when you get deep into those playoffs. You've got so much money invested in Carson Wentz still if you are the Eagles. Jalen Hurts came in. We'll see what ends up happening with him going forward. But as you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at Carson Wentz, what do the Eagles have to do? I mean, given how much money they have invested in Carson Wentz, but also given that they took Jalen Hurts in the second round, what what should they be doing? Well, you move. You move them while you still can. Um, and if you bench him permanently and already show that you're moving on from him, then his trade value and to be able to move him becomes less. So do it right now or, or as soon as you can, you know, past the trade deadline already, but do it as soon as you can Why there's still a good market for him. Maybe you can get a third or fourth round pick, uh, you know, for Carson Wentz. Because, look, at the end of the day, you've already made your decision. You made your decision when you drafted Hurts. You don't draft a guy in the second round after you have a quarterback you just paid if you're not planning to move on at some point, right? That just doesn't – that just don't happen. I mean, we've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. You know, even Aaron Rodgers is playing a MVP count uh, level football. You know, at the end of the day, they still drafted a guy to come in and play. Whether it's a year, two years, they got a guy that's ready to go. So, look, make that move, get something for Carson Wentz now, and just move on. I mean, you, you've already kind of made that decision anyway. What happened to your Chargers? We're talking to Sean Merriman. I mean, that was a beatdown of epic proportions that Bill Belichick, the Patriots, put on. What's the story there? I mean, the, the, the Chargers had a tough loss against the Bills. Are they done in your mind? 
Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I think now is the time to make changes. And, you know, I never want to call out a, guy, a, a coach or anybody in the staff to get fired because I've, I've never done that and I never will. But at some point in time, you got to look at what you have, right? You got a young quarterback that's playing outstanding, so he has an infinite amount of, of ability of where he's going with his career. You have a, uh, to, to, in me and my p- opinion, three of the best wide receivers in the court. In NFL, you got uh, uh, Hunter Henry, uh, Allen, and Mike Williams, Kim Allen and Mike Williams. And so you're telling me that with that core right there alone, you can't score a point? I mean, that's, that, it was pretty embarrassing. I'm sitting there watching. I'm back on Twitter, and, say, and I'm getting to the point where I just don't have anything to say. And I never <laughs> want to call out a coach. You yeah. never want to point fingers at anybody. But to not score, I mean, this, we're talking about the NFL. This is these are pros. Did you tell me you couldn't kick a damn field goal? You can't. You get a field goal blocked. You can't even get up. You can't even get up on the board. This is not Madden. This is not a blowout. These are professional athletes, and you can't get into the end zone once, or you can't kick a field goal, and it's embarrassing. Right now, it just seems to me that the players aren't responding to Anthony Lynn. So they need to find a way to make that situation better, and don't ruin. What you have, because you have a you have a damn good team. Look, if you get three or four of those games, you lost within seven points this year. We're talking about a different season. Are you a guy? I know you said you don't like to call for guys' names, uh, guys' jobs, but does it make sense in the NFL to move on from a coach during the season, or are you a guy that would say, regardless, it makes sense to go ahead and finish the year? And then make your decision about who you're going to go get, maybe to uh, maybe to replace him. I mean, in in other words, when things are really going bad, like the Jets basically have decided they're going to stick with Adam Gase and make him wear all of these losses, it seems, and then move on at the end of the year. The Chargers may stick with Anthony Lynn for the rest of the year, but then you see a guy like Dan Quinn uh, get forced out in Atlanta, and they go ahead and turn the page. What to you makes sense? In my opinion, you make that move now. Um, yeah. Because anytime you, you have a game like that, uh, the win is knocked out of a team. I mean, yeah. the, when you get back into the locker room, I mean, it looks like a funeral home. And guys are just, their hands are down, they're moping, it's just not a good atmosphere. So the only way to get fresh life in there and the fresh breath of air is to make decisions now to show the, you know, the, the players, show the fans and everybody around the organization that things need to change and we need to start at the top and then we need to trickle down and start making some decisions. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying whatever, you know, the fire Anthony Lynn. I'm not saying that at all. I, I would never call for a guy to, uh, to be fired, to a coach to be fired because it's not fun. But at the same time, you're in a performance business and you're not performing. So you have to expect uh, these type of things to go down this way. Sean Merriman, he's in the Lights Out podcast. Go check it out in the iHeart Podcast Network. I appreciate you giving us the time, my man. We look forward to talking to you next week. You got it. Thanks for having me.